Welcome to another episode of the Jungian Typology Podcast. And today we are going to go ahead and talk more about speculative stuff. So this is more of the non-canon stuff. This is more of like what we're kind of adding on to and what we think and we're kind of like hypothesizing. This is a possible, um, I like to call it theoretical theories. It just means, you know, uh, it's not even a real word. But um, one of the things that Jeremy has speculated is he um, said, has anyone else got the feeling that there is something not quite right about the definitions of static versus dynamic? It seems to be pretty difficult for people to identify the perceptual portion of this trait, as in the snapshot or dynamic flow. The more I'm reading about the brain hemisphere, the more it doesn't make sense. Um, and I went ahead and I said, uh, yeah, like when I ask people the memory question, because in theory, the static uh, types are supposed to kind of have more of a frame kind of shot, and they can't really hold that memory for more than 10 seconds. But when I asked some static types this question, some of them were able to say that, no, I do see my memory more in a kind of movie, and I can hold it more for 10 seconds. So I felt this kind of perception or this kind of definition that we used to use, or the kind of one of the definitions that we use for static versus dynamics in one of these questions wasn't a very good question. And I also said, yeah, it's much harder though for dynamics to go ahead and separate their focus um, on a more particular object without moving around because the static types are more able to go ahead and pick out these details. Uh, Mitchell also said that he thinks that it's more to do with the information elements and not the actual people. Literally, everyone uses snapshots and dynamic flow. They have to. And they do in the process of using all eight information elements, which everyone does. Besides that, I like Glenko's perspective on it, and it's interesting. I know, huge surprise, LOL. I do somewhat see the difference between people with weaker and stronger nervous systems. He's not here, so I'm not going to go ahead and comment or respond on that without um, him responding to what that is. And Jeremy, uh, he can go ahead and elaborate on what he thought. Um, okay, well, I'm just going to kind of have to spit here because this is speculative. Um, I, I do agree with Mitchell that it is, I do see the differences in um, temperament more so than like perceptions. Like, you know, um, I think that static types are more balanced, stable, or flexible, pivotal, or, you know, dynamic type are more. Adaptive or linear assertive, I think that makes a lot more sense than it does in um, any sort of the way you perceive perceptions, which is kind of weird. Um, I think it is correct, also, which is something that, which kind of started this conversation or my speculation because I'm reading this book called um, The Master and His Emissary from Ian Gilchrist, where he really kind of goes well beyond what Nardi does with the um, examination of how hemispheres work. You know, I'm going a third way through it, so I don't think he's getting to type, but I'm kind of like, as I'm going through, think, okay, well, this aligns with Talanov, and this aligns with Thompson, and this doesn't align with Nardi, and this doesn't align with that, and this and that. <clears throat> but he specifically says that is more actually, which is opposite to what um, Thompson says. And the left brain is more static, so it is 
more question of snapshots. So, like Mitchell said, um, each person does see both aspects of that. You know, there are snapshots and there are more dynamic movies, if you will, and perceptions. And, you know, it's, um, not all the, I'm only a third of the way through it. So, there may be some kind of type preferences, but I do think that it is. You know, I can do everything. But I also have some different, some other um, hesitations about Kalenko's like, definition of static dynamic, where <clears throat> he says that static types, I should probably to He says that static types fill up their space with objects. They can't stand empty space. And dynamic types fill up their time with events. And for me, that's not true. I, I live a very Spartan life. You know, my, my apartment's pretty bare, you know. I don't, you do know these types that like um, ESIs that just really fill up their space with objects. And that's not something I do as a static type. And there's probably some dynamic types that don't necessarily fill up their calendar full of events, which I think probably there's a difference between rational and irrational static dynamic types, just like we were talking about earlier with um, there's the difference between irrational and static, or rational and rational um, process and results types. But then I'll yield to someone else. Relight, did you have something to comment on that? We uh, didn't participate so much in that particular thing, so I'm wondering what your perspective on that is as well. I mean, if if you're considering static dynamic and Ian McGilchrist's book, then he writes on page 328 on the asymmetry of structure that the left hemisphere with its rational system building makes possible the will to action. And then two pages later, he also writes in the asymmetry of interaction. This is also related to positivist, negativist, by the way, because I'm NE, so association. So, but negative. Okay, I lost that page. But he was saying something along the lines of, but negative feedback can instantly turn into feedback in the left hemisphere. The right hemisphere is more in touch with the primary experience. So. Well, I know that we talked about how we describe static and dynamic and uh, the fluidity. Of course, I mentioned uh, the flip book, and I was puzzled to hear that uh, you had heard this same description elsewhere. I was curious about that. Who else actually identifies with the flipbook where you can um, retroactively go through? It's it's uh, static, but it's still, you move through it. How many statics have actually described it like that from your fielding? And when you mentioned your memory, I was, uh, one of the uh, observation hypotheses that came to mind was like, I know another harmonizer that is also a static type that describes the memory just like yours, where they see like these little collections, but it's more like they're going around. And she initially thought that her memory was like a, a movie where she can just replay her event throughout her day. But then when I asked her to go ahead and describe her memory, it wasn't as fluid as she thought. So it was kind of like segmented kind of movie clips. And it was more like the snap, sort of that, that kind of like snap, but uh, snapbook kind of thing, and she is a um, IEE, yeah, 
And so she, well, I was trying to think maybe it could also be like a process thing, but no, she's a results type. So she was also um, taking these different things. And I also thought it was more like, oh, maybe her memory might be similar to mine, but I felt that she could easily re recollect her dreams much better. And when I was describing my dreams, it was like, it's extremely fragmented. I can't really go ahead and reorganize them. And I can't go ahead and put them in any kind of way. And I think that maybe because that the harmonizers are more connecting type and they can resemble a little bit more of dynamics in that way. And they're more pay attention to whatever their environment, they're more sensitive to it. And that might be something that might help their memory, but might be, be a little bit more dynamic. That's just a kind of a hypothesis. Another example of this, a uh, E-L-I-L-E, and their memory is also, and they are a dominant type. And they also describe their memory to me as in like, yes, they were able to go ahead and pick up these little tiny like segments, but their memory was very fluid where they will go ahead and jump from these kind of things, but they, it's still like a like flip book, as in where they would open up a certain page, like let's say February, and they would go ahead and flip through these events very quickly. And they can go ahead and jump to March and flip through all these events very quickly. And they'll tell me exactly how they were in the social situation and how they did something and how they told this person to do X, Y, and Z. And they can also relay to me how they were feeling, all the emotions that they were going through and all the events. Like it was just kind of like a trailer. It's basically they had, like if you ever see these actors pre present their movie reel and it was just like flipping all these sorts, like going through them like that. They're going through this, going through this movie reel, movie reel, movie reel, movie reel, movie reel. Um, so that's a uh, second example. Or maybe you talk about how your memory is. Oh, well, I think of it as like the comic style flipbook where you see movement and you go to a page. Jeremy, did you talk about the uh, right brain versus left brain part? So this is talking about um, Leonard Thompson, which is, you can basically say an MBTI theorist, but I think um, she's probably one of the best in the West. She's actually what got the, the writer, the author that got me into socionics. It's a little preface there. Um, I read her book and I was like, well, this is great. And then I got bored of MBTI and I started reading socionics. Like, hey, wait a minute, this is the same thing. <laughs> now that I've been in full mode socionics for a while, I've her work here and there. And um, I think it's really good. So one of the things that I really value about her work is she describes TI like anyone else. And um, I'll just read what I quoted here. Um, this is the province of introverted thinking. When we use it, we're not structuring experience before it actually exists. We're engaging by conditions here and now, and we're adjusting to them in line of their impact on our goal. As a right brain function, introverted thinking is not conceptual or linear. It is body-based and holistic. It operates by way of visual, tactile, or spatial cues, inclining us to reasons exponentially, experientially, rather than analytically. The left brain, with its one thing at a time approach to life, requires exact predictability before it takes action. This is a clear advantage in situations we don't know much about. As long as we have a set of instructions or understand the principle involved, we don't need in order to proceed. Um, <clears throat> enterprise includes 
involves random data or there are many variables consider left brain logic has no recourse right brain with all of its with its all at once approach to life doesn't require ability before it takes action decisions are based on probabilities and it leaves room for the random and the unexpected but right brain logic requires hands-on experience to recognize in the midst of action which variables are the best are best taken into account and which are irrelevant to our goal. Thus, introverted thinking always involves the perceptual skills and use that may not feel like being reasonable. In fact, when introverted thinking is combined with extrovert sensation, as it is for ISTPs and ESTPs, it feels a lot like instinct. <clears throat> so, some of this is really good and some of it I think is not consistent with what I've been reading about functions work which you know is excuse me because Thompson wrote this probably about 20 years ago or something like that you know she references Kathy cartoons bless her heart <laughs> it's pretty dated you know her book's dated but um the concepts actually found <clears throat> held up pretty well I looked back at this and I thought well she's gonna just get this all wrong and um, because, well, because mostly people thought the right brain was just silent, it just did nothing, it was just stupid. It was just emotional, little crying thing. Your left brain was just all your intelligence came from. That's actually not true. <laughs> it's actually quite the opposite. The right brain is dominant, and the left brain is kind of its little bitch. <laughs> so, um, with here is that um and so the left brain with all of its one thing at a time approach requires exactly really before it takes action this is a clear advantage in situations we don't know much about i don't know if maybe maybe i wrote that wrong because left brain if it doesn't know what's going on it just doesn't know what's going on and bill crest um talks about like churches People have severed brain damage of one hemisphere or the other. Um, really weird stuff happens if you don't have your hemisphere working properly. It really doesn't know what to do. It, like left hemisphere, like deny the existence of your right arm or you know, or your left arm. Is this opposite? It's so much so that like the left hemisphere will just pretend like half your body doesn't exist if it's if it's if right hemisphere is damaged so i don't think that the left brain is going to clear advantage in situations they don't know much about i think that's clearly a left a right brain advantage or not advantage but necessity and the right brain has to experience things firsthand so then it is right but i think what's really good here just to sum up here is that the right brain is holistic and has to experience things. And I think that is really accurate for how I perceive TI. And TI is very much united with um, this, the perceptual aspect. I often say it's like if I haven't experienced something before, I just I can't think. And it's more than just activating SI, I think, really, in this term. It's just, it's really connected, that whole right brain static connected with thinking and perception.
You'll have someone else that's the one neighbor talk. I think there is a model G2 and that the energy model that Golenko proposed actually expanded upon 16 of them and that we might share a second energy model uh, with our mirrors. But we don't enjoy it or we don't really care to really use it. Um, so this possibly means that we can use our mirror functions and have the same amount of energy in terms of those in place of our lower energy ones. For example, our control and our launcher functions have the weakest amount of energy. The, the launcher is the suggestive function of our mirror and the control function is going to be the, um, uh, demonst the creative function for, the, for our mirrors. And so we can use them in place. For example, as a as a IE, really weak energy to actually go ahead and do something with my TE positive, but the suggestive function for my uh, for my mirror is going to be TE negative, so I'll be able to do TE negative stuff. So instead of just focusing on the prioritizing things to do and focus on the positive results that I want and able to actually execute on it right away, I might be able to be better to go ahead and look at my system and fix stuff that are broken. And this kind of rings true in my observations, IEEs, that they're going to head and instead of focusing on a priority, that they are more likely going to procrastinate and then fix something in their system to make it more efficient. So they'll go ahead and instead of paying their taxes or look at their taxes or even know what the thing that they should be doing is or even pay attention to it or be reminding of it, they'll distract themselves and then go ahead and they'll fix something in their sink or they'll go ahead and they'll uh, call their friend and tell them that the relationship should be better. They'll go ahead and fix something that is literally not a priority on their list and they'll go ahead and they'll go ahead and do something about it. They'll go ahead and make it more um, efficient in the system. In terms of the uh, control function where instead of paying attention to the things that are going to make them a better result in the future, an item that they want to have a projection of where they should be going in terms of the vision for the future, looking ahead to see what the positive result is going to be. They will go ahead and instead go in their mind and think about the things that are going wrong and review them and try to connect all these different pieces together and then try to predict something that is going to come out of them. So they'll look at things that are more familiar to them and connect the previous amount of data together and then try to extrapolate upon them. For example, they're gonna pay more attention to their rent and they're going to pay more attention to things that they can actually predict very well. They will tell their uh, friend about, based on what you told me, all this data that you said, they'll connect all these different pieces together. And then they'll say, like, your relationship's not going to work out because you don't treat him the right way. The, the behaviors that you're doing, all these actions, I've seen what you did. And from what I'm piecing together, this is most, like, most likely what's going to happen. They're better at predicting these kind of behaviors and telling people about them and spend more time probably telling them about them rather than actually encouraging them to like really be like, well, you should go get another boyfriend then. You should go ahead and go ahead and do this new stuff. You should go ahead and just focus on other things. This is the vision anyways, right? Go ahead and pay attention and try to, and this is the how it'll evolve. And don't pay attention to the things that go wrong. Just go ahead and take something that you have and go and run with it they're more less likely going to be more skeptical and telling them, well, if you continue to do these bad behaviors, you're most likely going to have this um, thing that's going to happen. And I've seen it before. I've condensed. Um, I've, I've seen this happen a lot with my other friends. And so it's most likely going to happen with you as well. And I want to prevent like these things from happening towards you. 
recently resubmitted the Gandon thing, and uh, it was funny that you actually did resonate more with your activation, whereas it, it does seem like ascending mirrors are more closely related to each other. Using the the energy, for example, I don't think that you would want to go ahead and act like your mirror. It's more of a, it's more of like you probably should act like your mirror. Oh yeah, of course. If you try to imitate your mirror, I think it's more beneficial than if you were going to imitate your supervisor, for example. Yeah, oh, absolutely, absolutely. But I just thought it was interesting that you do actually uh, <laughs> identify I more the LSE, which goes hand in uh, what Bandon said. And of course, I, I do see some SLE mm -hmm. that does come out. And of course, uh, you know, Joe has even said that, you know, she has deep appreciation for her mirror too. Of course, we're ascending, both of us. So I don't know if Joe wants to get on in on that discussion. Am I supposed to be appreciating my mirror? Because, like, I feel like I don't have an option at this point. <laughs> yeah, you do relate to them very closely. Oh, yeah. There's, I mean, I, I always remember whenever um I was reading about mirrors and the sort of ever-neuroticizing qualities between them. But, I mean, aside from that, there there is a lot of points. It, it's one of those, whenever I talk about Dean, it's kind of one of those, we ever relate, but we're ever different. It's kind of interesting, yeah. really. yeah. I wish he was on so he could put his two cents in, but yeah, usually I, know. I identify with too. Definitely. Um, I think it just, it's one of those cases where because it's like the functions match so closely yet like these little swaps here and there, like based on spin and positioning, it's like the differences when they're there become incredibly stark. And it's almost when something's so close, it kind of like grates on something else, especially hard, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, absolutely. Don't kill me, Dean. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Any other input as far as uh, descending and identifying with your uh, activation more so than your mirror? And of course, for ascending, identifying with your mirror over activation more. You are going to identify more with your mirror because it's going. you're both going to be declaring types where the LSE is going to be an asking type. And it's sort of harder, in my opinion, to go ahead and try to imitate the other side of asking versus declaring. It's, it's because, like, one side of it's trying that to... That does make sense. I never thought about the AD aspect of it, but yeah, it does. They don't want to ask questions that kind of lead them to a question that they don't want to really answer for, where the asking type is a little bit more free about it. Um, one of the examples earlier, or one of the good metaphors, or it says, like, they're on a quest... It kind of makes sense. It's like they don't really care about having a certainty where the declaring types, you can hear in their tone that they even talk more certain. 